Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hey, Changemaker, it's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and I teach nonprofit leaders and volunteers actionable steps to learn grant writing skills to exponentially increase funding, and I also coach grant writers with strategic systems and skills to start a freelance company and 10x results all from the comfort of their own homes. All right, today I have on the show Sarah Olivieri, and she is a founder of Pivot Ground, and I actually had Sarah on the show a while back. So if you want to check out grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 117, definitely check that out to get all the links that we're going to be talking about today. She definitely has some links. We also recorded this as a YouTube uh, show as well, and she shares her screen and kind of um, gives you some visual backdrops, which you definitely can just listen to this podcast and you can get everything from it. But if you are more of a visual person, please do check out that, grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 117. All right, so here we're going to get into it today. So Sarah Olivieri, she is, a once, like I said, the founder of Pivot Ground. She is a nonprofit strategist who helps nonprofits engage people, deliver programs, expand funding opportunities, and get more time in their day to do what matters most. So when she came on the show before, she was talking about really how to increase your productivity and doing so with operations. And today on the show, she's going to be talking about that again, but in the framework and through the lens of recovering with COVID-19. So our new era, um, where she's definitely going to talk about the CARES Act a little bit um, and touch on that, touch on the PPP, touch on EIDL, and just some of the funding sources that are out there. Even though I know if you're listening to this after April 21st, you know, there's more funding. The funding has been expended, but there's more funding coming out from Congress soon. So she does go into that just a bit, but then she brings it back to basics. As far as using this time as a nonprofit leader or as a consultant, if you're working with nonprofits, to really help with developing strategies and really beefing up your operations. Because it might not be that you even need to change your mission. More often than not, you probably won't at this time. I definitely recommend that you review it. But it's more about how you're going to roll out your mission, right? Looking at your operations. Because even when things are opening back up, there's going to be a new norm for quite a while, right? So she really does go into detail about the day and age. But this is also a lot of evergreen material, which means... Even in two years, a lot of this is going to be very, very relevant. All right, guys. And just real quick before I introduce Sarah, I just want to remind everybody that I do have all of my courses at 50% off. So if you're looking for nonprofit strategic planning, if you're looking for the grant writing master course, or maybe you're an aspiring freelancer who actually wants to go into freelance grant writing. And now is the time to do that, you guys. All of these courses are super relevant to for nonprofits and for people who are looking into helping nonprofits get funding. There is a ton of funding out there right now, but it still takes a process of applying for the funding and to know where to find it. 
So these courses are going to help you no matter where you are at in that process. So as part of my give back, I'm giving 50% off all of my courses until April 30th. So please do check out grantwritingandfunding.com to get 50% off my courses until April 30th. All right, guys, so let's get into it with Sarah Olivieri. Hello, 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 Changemaker. I'm here with Sarah Olivieri, and I'm really, really excited. So I'm Holly Rustic, podcast host of Grant Writing and Funding, and here to bring you a lot of great tactics, especially during the COVID-19 period and recovery period, of how nonprofits can really get behind this and really not just survive or just sustain, but thrive during this period and to reposition themselves. So I'm really excited that I have Sarah Olivieri once again on the show. Um, this is the second time you've come on the show, Sarah. So I'm really, really excited. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, it is a pleasure to be back. Yeah. And if you guys don't know Sarah, I'll definitely um, link up our, uh, the podcast that we had before. It was probably about eight months ago or so, maybe a year ago. Um, but yeah, it was really good. And she is a founder of Pivot Ground. You can definitely check it out at pivotground.com. And she has the impact method, which helps nonprofits really with time management, productivity, planning, all of that great stuff that you really need to understand and to implement so you can drive your nonprofit forward. I'm actually on your mailing list because I love seeing what you're doing. And I saw that you were had some information on the CARES Act. And then, of course, you're a strategist. So I'm like, I need to talk to you because you get you back on the <laughs> show so you can share the knowledge that you've had in your specific niche with the people um, out there in the grant writing and funding world that are following us on the podcast, on the YouTube channel, and, of course, your audience, just so we can get a broader reach um, to get the knowledge out there to really help yeah. nonprofits as well as nonprofit consultants that might just need some guidance and how they can support nonprofits at this point in time. So yeah, so thank you once again for coming on the show. I'm super excited. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad you said, right, not just in this moment of COVID pandemic, ah, yeah. but we're coming to a recovery period. Mm -hmm. And this is your moment, even if you're a consultant, that you can choose what your new normal will be. I don't believe we are not in our new normal yet. No. And if you want to have some power over what your new normal will be, you need to act now. Because if you're just frozen the whole time and you're just going to wait until it arrives, it'll arrive on you and it'll be set and you will have not had a choice in what that is. So I know so many people are scared. So anything I can do to help you get unscared, unstuck, and doing something to move yourself forward, I'm here for that. That's fantastic. And I love yeah, that you um, emphasize that because it's true. I think this episode that we're doing today, because we chatted, of course, before to kind of lay out the land, but it's really, it will be more of an evergreen podcast, but it's definitely timely at this point in, in the COVID-19 recovery kind of transition as well. Because, you know, a lot of times it's like, okay, well, how, how, how fast do you pivot at this point in time can really determine if you stay in the game or not right? So it really is yeah. important to understand these things. But at any time, strategic planning is, it's, in, it's integral to your whole operations. And this is what really separates the nonprofits who continually get grants, who continually have successful fundraisers, et cetera, and who have long-term actually lifespans, right? Beyond one or two years and then closing down and being completely frustrated. This is what the difference really is. So I'm really excited to talk about, yeah, about it. And I just, first off, because of where we're at, I do want to talk just a little bit about the CARES Act, kind of like different SBA, Small Business Administration funding. And I know that at this point in time on April 21st, that we're recording this, 
we're waiting for more money. <laughs> the money that was already, right. <laughs> yeah, it was already allocated to the EIDL and the PPP program from SBA has now been expended. It's exhausted, but Congress is in session and they're um, kind of going through, you know, they're getting everything sorted. There is more money coming out. So do you just want to talk about that just a little bit for those people who may be listening at this time, or if it's just been released, more money has been allocated at this point in time, what they should do. Should nonprofits actually apply for those types of funding? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, anything that is forgivable, you should absolutely apply for. And any, and I'm a big fan of investing, right? You mm -hmm. need to be investing money and borrowing money, even the EIDL, which I think, don't quote me on this, but the nonprofit interest rate is two point something, uh, 2.75, 2.43, something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, we're about, that is below inflation. Yeah. And we're about to have probably increased inflation is highly likely coming oh, up, yeah. which yeah. means that even though it's not forgivable and you may have to pay it back beyond the forgivable, you know, however they, they may change what is forgivable, what's not going forward. But even if that's not forgivable, that is a basically an interest-free loan, essentially. So if you're confused, you're like, inflation, what's this stuff? Send me an email. <laughs> we can talk about that. But basically, right. it's a practically an interest-free loan, and you're going to want to be investing money. One of the saddest, most frustrating things I saw when this first came out was I sent out my, to my email, to my list, to you, and all these emails came back from people saying, I no longer work at this nonprofit. Oh. And I have to tell you, a lot of them were in the development offices. And oh. I feel terrible for them losing their jobs. But worse for those nonprofits, do not cut your fundraising yeah. arm right now. Yeah. You need that. In fact, you should be investing that. So, you know, people go, oh, well, am I going to be able to pay this loan back? If you invest it in income generating activities, then mm -hmm. you will be able to pay the loan back. So invest it in fundraising, invest it in getting professionals to help you right. to make sure you do a great job. Expand your mm -hmm. fundraising team. Um, oh yeah. Don't cut it right now. Now's the time to right? bolster it up. Yeah. Do not cut. Right. Yeah. Invest, invest, yeah. invest. So mm -hmm. do apply. And absolutely. If it's the forgivable loan, it's a no brainer people. That's free money. Mm -hmm. It's like getting a grant. Definitely do it. Yeah, and that that's yeah. free money. Um, that can definitely be helpful as far as paying for your staff for so paying for those types of yeah. positions. So with the PPP, that's that's all. You know, I think it's like if you pay seventy five percent of your staff, it's forgivable for your you know keeping them on as um, paying their paycheck. Yeah. So it's really important to keep your if you have any cash reserves or if you can get that money drawn down quickly, then to utilize it for those purposes at this Absolutely. point in time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the, and the, the initial kind of thing is to constrict, yeah. right? The initial thing is like, right. but it's no, kind no, of like, are so whew. afraid yeah. of borrowing money, but mm -hmm. don't be, please don't be, do think through it carefully, but it yeah. often makes sense to right. borrow money. If you're going to use it in an activity that brings in more money, that makes a lot of sense. The thing that I think people need to know about specifically the EIDL, right? Mm -hmm. the, the Paycheck Protection Program, it's got its thing. My understanding is that, so there is an application that I actually started filling out before the streamlined application came mm -hmm. out. And those mm -hmm. forms are still available online 
the full EIDL application, which is a program that was around before this pandemic, um, right. right? So there were other economic disasters where these loans were given out and the SBA has a process and a set of forms. Mm-hmm. Now, provided they have enough money to give people more than the advance, mm-hmm. they're probably going to ask you to fill out these forms. And we can add a link in the show notes. There, there right. You can still see the PDFs of all the forms on the SBA website mm-hmm. to get a sense of what they're asking. But the key thing in those forms is, yes, they ask you what were your you know, expenses prior to this, so you can kind of justify, but you have the ability in those forms to make your case to the SBA of what your actual costs were, right? So EIDL stands for economic injury. That's mm-hmm. the EI. So you need to show just because you spent whatever, $100,000 on fundraising this time last year, you may now have to spend $150 because you are probably pivoting your fundraising activities. So you need to plan out for the EIDL application if you get that opportunity or Mm -hmm. for your own good, you need to plan out how do you need to actually spend more right Mm -hmm. now in order to sustain and hopefully even thrive. If you do it right, you Mm -hmm. will come out even better on the other end, but you Mm -hmm. should at least plan for what you need to put in place to come out as good. And then all not, so it's not just, this isn't about just what you cut. It's not just about the income you lost. It's about the extra money you need to put in to change direction. And I think too, right now, name of the game with an economic recession. Don't, you know, um, generosity is not going down with a recession. In fact, I think generosity will probably go up. People want to give, but many people on your list may have less money to give if for right. your individual donations. So that means you need to expand your donor base to right. make up for the difference. So, and mm-hmm. right, to expand your donor base, you probably need to invest in your effort. That's right. Yeah. And it's even just thinking of ways. So you want to expand your website now because more people are going to be seeing your frontage online. They might not be seeing your frontage in person, right? So those types of things, there's definitely a learning curve for some of that or hiring experts that might be more expensive than you normally hire just to quickly come in right? To get, and yeah. it's just speed to market right now is really important for staff morale as well, right? To be like, okay. And then just to get that education of, okay, now we know how to move forward. We know how to use, maybe you have new online software you're using, you're doing Zoom sessions like this or something for your meetings. Um, so it's just, yeah, real simple things can actually cost money and they can cost time, right? So you want to yeah. try to cut that time yeah. as much as possible by, by pulling in different experts and by just pulling in easy to use interfaces and all of that. So, or just developing, spending the time to go back to the drawing board and say, what, what do we really need to do? Right. So uh, yeah, I would like you to talk about that because I know we were kind of discussing it a little bit before. And I loved what you said as far as like, it's not, you know, you're not changing your mission. Like you're still probably going to be serving the same demographic. There's still the same need out there. Maybe it's tweaked a little bit. Maybe, you know, that's definitely something to look at, but your operations, right? That's what needs to be looked at. That's what needs to be analyzed. So can you kind of like talk about what that means exactly? 
Absolutely. I'll go into, you know, because I, lo I love operations. Um, mm -hmm. But before I do, I just want to really emphasize what you just said, speed. Like yeah. the for-profit industry has the saying, right? Time is money. Well, mm -hmm. it's just as true for nonprofit. Yep. Slowness is not your friend. And the secret sauce to speed when you're changing is to hire experts yep. who already know how to do the thing. You need yeah. to bypass that learning curve or make mm -hmm. it as short as possible. And it's less frustrating as <laughs> possible. Right. And <laughs> if you thought you were going to get the first round of PPP money, PPP, PayPal, yeah. yes. Yeah, PayPal. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about. And you missed out on the opportunity, right? Those people mm. applied right away. I applied so fast yeah. that that I had to do it again because I, my form became outdated yeah. <laughs> two days yeah. later. But I got right. my money very quickly. I've got. Oh, that's it fantastic! Um, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, a lot of people I know they so, still haven't received it, and they were counting on that, and they were kind of like, "That's my hail mary pass." So I'm not really going to be start right. thinking about my operation change because I know I'll have money in the door, and then it didn't come. Yeah. Right. And now right. they're like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> so now they're like, "Okay, now I yeah. really got to rethink this." So in a way, it might actually be good that some of them, not that it's great, but it'll put them in the position to be like, "How I really need to." rethink my strategy. I need to really yeah, go back to the drawing board because some things will have to change, but you know what I mean? I want to be able to do this in the best way. And then those monies hopefully yeah. will be there. So for them to draw down <laughs> or they'll come up with new methods hopefully. all of a sudden and they'll have <laughs> <laughs> the cash. I actually have my own son is running back and forth between us every <laughs> Five minutes so in the funny. background. I look over my mom standing there like the cat. <laughs> a, I know it's oh, like, this is the new reality, so the new normal. That's so you hear a bunch of noise in the, the background. That's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so getting that, you know, so, and then reevaluating yeah. it and saying, I don't have all those monies drawn down now. That might have just been a buffer for another month. Where I would have had to done this replanning anyways, but I would have been even mm -hmm. later to the game. Now they can rethink it. So silver linings, silver linings. <laughs> that's all I gotta say. But right. yeah. So how can um so, yeah, how can people yeah. get into this then? Let's get into the nuts mm -hmm. and bolts of this. So you kind of said this before, right? There are two pieces when we build strategies, typically. Mm -hmm. There's, there is, you know, your mission and the specific steps you're taking to achieve your mission. And then the other side is your capacity as an organization and the mm -hmm. things you're doing to increase that capacity, which should link to your mission. It should scale your ability to deliver your mission. And I say the word scale very intentionally as opposed to growth. And I'll yeah. just define my own terms so it's crystal clear, right? Mm -hmm. Growth is bigger impact, bigger monster of a nonprofit. Scale right. means bigger impact, but proportionally less effort in delivering that impact. So we constantly want to have, in order to have a rosy world where yep. <laughs> we don't create more problems for ourselves as we help others, we want to be figuring out ways to deliver more based on the resources we have. So that's a really important concept here. And so many nonprofits are used to thinking about how you're going to deliver your mission. And the nuts and bolts of that are up to you and your team's creativity right now. You think, okay, go back to your mission and say, you know, our mission is to feed homeless people. What does that mean now in this context and how can we get there? That's in your wheelhouse. You're already the expert in that. 
just, you know, be creative, think about it, go back to kind of the basic. How do we get from A to B now? But I want to talk a little bit more in depth about the operations mm -hmm. piece because mm -hmm. that's not something everybody's used to and it's not something most nonprofit people think a lot about because they're mission driven. Right. And right. I'll share my screen for those who are watching in video so you can get a little visual, but I'll describe it for everyone who is only on audio. So two pieces, you definitely want to go through your expenses. You want to go through your income and say, okay, what income is going to be reduced and where do we need to fill the gaps? And you're going to look at your expenses and say, you know, where do we need, which of our expense line items produce revenue on the other end of that expense? And you want to pump money into those line items, right? Not mm -hmm. cut. You're pumping money into your revenue, uh, revenue generating expenses. And that might mm -hmm. be a new term for you. If you need help with that, I have a great budget template um, that we can provide a link to. But That's apart fantastic. from the money piece, what I have here for you is basically the kind of eight general areas where most nonprofits have operational something. This is how I divide nonprofit operations into eight areas. And I want you to go through each of these eight areas and think about what changes you need to make. So the first area is usually your executive director is doing this. It's visioning, innovation, big relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Do you need to change the way, unleash, or just have your team and your executive director deep dive into what is your vision for the future now? How do you innovate? Um, this is the time to unleash that visionary in your nonprofit and let them go running into the future and say, what does this crazy new world look like? And have a bazillion ideas for you. And let them also go out and be relationship building right now. This is such a great moment to be building new relationships, forming, you know, alliances with mm -hmm. other nonprofits, looking for those nonprofits who are sadly going to go under, but have donor lists and resources that can be scooped up so that they don't go to waste. The next area, often there's like a, a COO or an operations person kind of thinking about this stuff, but really take a look at your optimum speed and capacity. How fast can you be moving right now and really get in touch with that? And that's so important right now, right? Because speed and rushing, not the same no. thing, yeah. right? Speed is actually going fast. Rushing typically actually makes you go slow because yeah. you make mistakes and you get burned out. And then you're on the roller coaster of high and then low and then high and then low. So I think a right. specific thing that nonprofits can do right now is to really check in with your team. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this and I ask them, how much of your mental and physical capacity is just being sucked up by the pandemic? Mm -hmm. And people are answering 20%, 50%. If yeah. they actually have sickness in their family, 75, 80%. Yeah. And just acknowledge that. That's right. real. Yeah. Right? You can't get around that. So if 80% mm -hmm. is gone, you've got 20% left. Don't put more on people's plates mm -hmm. than they have available because then they will actually move less efficiently 
not mm -hmm. more efficiently. Yeah, and I, I love this. Uh, it's something um, that I noticed right away too. I had mentioned I had a sickness in my family and my daughter, the, real, the very beginning of all of this. And I remember I was saying, we need to change. And at the same time, of course, she had just been, um, you know, schools had been canceled. My work was completely redeveloped all online exclusively. So it was like looking at it and saying, our expectations need to change. And I think as long as we yeah. change expectations, so I'm really glad that you talked about what is your capacity um, and being real about it. Like people don't know me, oh, it's no impact. No one's saying that. Like everybody's had impact. And, you know, for us to be able to acknowledge that and to say, you know what, then maybe what are your you know, your best producing things that you do make a list. If you do five things in your job and two of them are, they bring up the most, right? The most results, just concentrate on those two. Take out the rest of the three or reduce those drastically because you want that, you know, 80% of maybe of their mind capacity right now to be on those things instead of scattered over everything. So I think changing exactly. expectations is so important and being okay with it. Like giving yourself a break too and being like, you know what, this, this is different. Now I have to homeschool too. I've got to do these other things. So in the beginning, maybe it's only 50% of my effort, right? By week right. two, maybe it's 60%. So it's like kind of as we adapt and grow with these huge learning curves too. So I really right. like that. And I just had a question real quick when you're talking about, because I love the visionary innovation relationships. And I know you said this is a time to build relationships. So some people out there might be saying, how can I do that when I'm stuck at my house? Like how, and I, you know, I kind of know what I've been doing through this, but what do you, what are you recommending for nonprofits that might come back to that and say, how can I be out there networking when I'm used to going to networking conferences in person to develop those relationships? How can I develop yeah. these relationships with donors now if they're not seeing me? Well, there's the good old telephone, um, <laughs> call people up, mm -hmm. text people. Um, there are many events going on online, networking events events, virtual conferences, many conferences that you might not have been able to afford before are now virtual and they cost less. So there are many, many opportunities. It's kind of, I was saying this to somebody earlier, you know, we're all equidistant now, right? Mm -hmm. Your neighbor is just as close as the person across the world. I love um, that. It is yeah. how we can reach people by mm -hmm. some sort of digital or remote means. So, mm -hmm. you know, and pe some people have more time on their hands for having a conversation and, and people are lonely. I have clients who are calling their donors um, not to ask for money, just to check in. And it can oh, be so hard nice. work because, you know, sometimes they're learning about there have been deaths in the family or sickness mm -hmm. or um, people are just sad and stressed, but you will stand out. You will solidify that relationship mm -hmm. by having that one-on-one -on -one communication. So yeah, I think there are many ways to be reaching out. And I have to say, I've heard a lot of nonprofits say, oh, it feels like I'm intruding if I call. But you know what? They don't have to answer the phone. Mm -hmm. You're not going to badger them 20 times a day. But People are isolated, and I think mm -hmm. for the most part, people will welcome a genuine, authentic outreach. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, so I love that. Thank you for answering those questions. So we have the yeah. one visionary innovation relationships, and then we have optimum speed 
not rushing for capacity. So can you continue on with this, please? Thanks. Thanks for yeah, answering absolutely. that too. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, you want to make sure you have a highly effective team. Mm -hmm. And this is an area where a lot has probably changed. And I think for what I'm seeing for nonprofits, there's two camps. You're either working from home and that's new, right? So you're dealing with how do we remain a highly effective team and we're now remote. And there's a whole lot to learn about that. I'll just give you one quick tip for today. But if you're not having a regular team meeting at least once a week, I think twice a week is very realistic right now. You need to start doing that right now. <laughs> um, your team wants to talk. So that is really important. The other thing I'm seeing is your team, especially if you're a kind of first responder organization or on the front lines of people have been saying, your work environment didn't used to be hazardous and now it is. Right. And so you need to like get real about that. You At this point, you probably have, but mm -hmm. you might need to think a little more long-term, like how long is this gonna be, how long are we gonna need to get new materials? Do you have right. safety gear? Do you have the right procedures? Do you have the right team, right? There are mm -hmm. a lot of nonprofits who relied on elderly volunteers who need a whole yeah. new volunteer base. You know, do you have stress management? Like everything involved with you, you know, except that new reality, your work is now a hazardous work environment. How mm -hmm. do you make that? Um, how do you keep your team effective? in that way. And there might be some drastic restructures you could do. You could think about, you know, having people work in like two week shifts. Mm -hmm. So they have like, uh, you know, more on and more off, you know, think out of the box here or look to um, medical models to think about other or other people who work in high risk situations and take mm -hmm. a clue from how they have already kind of figured things out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those are the two camp work from home or now it's hazardous. And what does that mean? Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the next one would be think about how much risk you accept. And this, you know, I think I, ex I phrase this as how much risk you accept because oftentimes nonprofits are pushed to be totally risk averse. They're told mm. making mistakes is oh, bad, yeah. that they're tolerant for that. But right, the reality is every nonprofit I've ever met has an extremely hard to solve or impossible to solve complex challenge that's their mission, right? That they're trying to solve. So, and you can only do that by being innovative and you can't be innovative if you don't accept a certain amount of risk. So you mm -hmm. need to just look at your operations, look at your plan and think about what amount of risk makes sense. How can we mitigate unnecessary risk? And where do we have to accept that we're going to take risk because it's, you know, it's, it's on our journey um, mm -hmm. to success and thriving. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So do a check-in on how comfortable you are with risk. And maybe you need to shift from a highly risk-averse nonprofit to one who's ready to take some risks because mm -hmm. that's going to be your only way out. You may right. have to take, become a risk-taking nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Have you seen yeah, you know, really like those that. nonprofits mm -hmm. who are, who are um, reluctant to take oh, yes. a risk or try I, I think a majority that I've worked with are very reluctant. And um, the ones that really do take the risk, say even if it's hiring an external grant writer or hiring you know, an expert, expert, right? They're taking a, a certain amount of risk, absolutely. Um, but those are the ones that are really going to move forward. So even say, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you had a thrift store and that was a part of your income, right? And now that 
all business are closed. And even if it's reopened, you might not have the same capacity coming into the store, et cetera, right? So maybe you're thinking, okay, let's move some of our sales online. Can we do that? How can we, can we take some risk to do that? You know, so it's yeah. really weighing, is it worth the payoff? So if it's worth the payoff, right. then go for it. I mean, really, you know, <laughs> right? There's, if there is something to lose, of course, you know, there's, it's not like there, there's nothing to lose, but at the same time is the gain more than the loss. And when really looking Absolutely. at that and saying, yeah, you know, and especially is your, is your mission worth it? And if it is, then move forward and go for it. So absolutely, I love that you're talking about risk because yeah, a lot of times so we don't true. think and about that, it. Yeah, with nonprofits. No, and mm-hmm. that's something nonprofits struggle with, that yeah. return on investment, which for-profits yeah. are obsessed with. They call it ROI. Yeah, ROI. And like, oh, what's my ROI? Like, <laughs> yep. that's the main thing. Yep. And it actually should be your main thing too. Right. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. or fortunately, right, in, in for-profits, the ROI, I call it when I talk about money, I like to talk about pie because pie is tasty. Mm-hmm. Right. Like for-profits are making money pie and money pie only. So we always think about ROI in terms of how much money do we get back. Right. But nonprofits are actually making two kinds of pie. Mm-hmm. They're making uh, money pie and they also need to make mission pie. Right. And mm-hmm. so sometimes we put money into mission pie and we should be putting money into mission pie and we don't get money back from our mm-hmm. investment, but we get return on our mission, right. we get impact back, yeah. right? So exactly. you need to be mm-hmm. balancing your money pie and your mission pie and you do need to run the numbers or run that calculation in some way yeah. because probably for many nonprofits, if you don't take some calculated risks, you mm-hmm. will take a very certain fall to your doom. And one Mm -hmm. of those (laughs) risk-taking nonprofits will come and scoop up your assets and, um, you know, be graceful with that and they will run forward with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So speaking of assets, let's talk about resources Mm -hmm. leveraged, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Your resources can be your money, your buildings, your relationships that are already kind of solidified. These are all types of resources. Your digital world, right? Your website, your online tools, you want to leverage them, meaning you want to get as much juice out of them, as much positive leverage, right? That's benefit with very little cost. And you want to, I like to use kind of a sailing term. I'm a sailor. Um, You want to reduce drag, right? You want to get rid of things that are like dead weight, that Mm -hmm. slow you down and basically cost you a lot and get you Mm -hmm. very little. So, you know, in some cases, you might need to let go of some employees who are no longer the right fit. Although Mm -hmm. in general, I advise nonprofits right now to take the stance of we're not firing anyone and we're going to reorganize the ship and we're going to leverage everybody's superpowers. Mm -hmm. So it might really mean shifting seats a bit. Maybe, you know, you might not have a lot of money to invest in fundraising, but I bet, especially if you're one of those work from home organizations, or if you're one of the hazardous organizations, you have some people who can no longer work. You can shift those people into new roles, fundraising roles, revenue generating roles. You may, and I know this is going to hurt a lot of people when I say it, so brace yourself. You may have to cut your programming Mm -hmm. to boost up your fundraising capacity right now because staying alive financially is what's going to allow you to live another day to deliver your mission. And I think that is one of the hardest thing for nonprofit people to do is to cut back on programming. 
But mm -hmm. if it's the difference between living and dying, you need to do it. And that is one way you're going to leverage resources. You're going to take the resources you used in programming, and you're going to temporarily put them into fundraising activities so that you can survive. Right. Yeah. No, that's something that needs to be said. So, but yeah, I, to <laughs> I totally agree. Especially if you're like, well, I can't have a big impact on my mission right now. Anyways, if you can't, right, maybe you're not a first responder and you just can't do your, your normal reaching out for your demographic at this point in time than to really bolster up that fundraising. Absolutely. So then you can yeah. have a bigger go at it, right? You can really then be able to have the resources to go after programming afterwards. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then kind of the three other categories, these are all very similar. So you have your core service, probably you may have a few core services. That's going to really, you're going to be thinking about your mission, right? Mm -hmm. How, you know, how do you need to change the way you deliver your services so that they make the, the intended impact? So if you have multiple programs, what I want you to do is say, what's this program's mission, right? It's probably mm -hmm. a chunk of your larger mission. Right. If you don't know what that program's mission, this exercise is good for you no matter when you do it. Know what that program's purpose is and then ask, is this the best way to deliver that program? Is it scalable? Is it leveraged, right? Does it have the right team? We're going back to all these other things, right? Mm -hmm. Are we taking the right risks to test if there's something better? Are we measuring it? You know, really think about the purpose and make sure that all your programming is as leveraged as possible for achieving its goal. And then we have, right, our customers or clients and our supporters or donors. And basically, this is our bringing people into the fold mechanisms, right? And these may be connected or separate depending on the structure of your organization, but you are going to be bringing clients into your services and donors and other types of funders mm -hmm. into your fold of people who are giving to you actively. And you need to think about, you know, what kind of processes and things do we need to change here to make this, you know, relevant in the context of now. So mm -hmm. with donors, right, maybe you're calling them one-on-one -on -one, or maybe you're temporarily like a news source, right? You have an mm -hmm. in you have an insight on how this situation is affecting the people you serve specifically. You could be right. sharing that information. You're probably shifting if you're a, like a event focused fundraising organization you're needing to change that. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not, fundraising isn't my main domain, but one thing I can tell you as a strategist is just translating your in-person event to its online kind of dot to dot equivalent is probably not the best idea. Because mm -hmm. if that really was the best thing, then all the digital fundraisers who are already around would have honed in on that already. And that's not what online digital fundraisers focus on. They focus more on building those donors one-on-one -on -one and different kinds of mm -hmm. things that really leverage the power of the internet. Yeah. So rather than translate your in-person event to an online event, think about pivoting your fundraising strategy. Say, how can we best leverage those online tools to be fundraising when that's all we have. And same with your clients, right? How do you reach your clients now? Are you taking support groups online? Um, a lot of people, I see the same, you know, literal thing going on, which is not the best route, right? Just because you have a class that's in person, that's 100% FaceTime, doesn't mean 
that you should have 100% time on Zoom, right? You need to be mm -hmm. thinking about other educational tools to leverage. What kind of activities are people doing between the calls? Is it, is it more calls that are shorter? Are they doing activities? Are they doing show and tell? How mm -hmm. are you upregulating and deregulating this group of people who are in different locations? It's not the best strategy to you know take a literal translation of your in-person thing and try to just redo it on mm -hmm. zoom exactly you got to think about what is this new context and how do we really leverage it to be right. meaningful for people right and i you know i think that's so important because even a lot of times i'm, I'm looking at nonprofits and saying well maybe that actual in-person fundraiser that you were doing every year, the board was just doing it because they were a new board and that's what they did. And even though it took all of their time and their capacity, and honestly, it costs a lot of money and the ROI, as you said, right, it's not even that big, but it's just the thing that you do because that's what you do, right? That's kind of the process. Yeah. But maybe that's actually something that could have been cut a long time ago and you could have used the time and the resources to really focus on things that had a larger reach, brought in more money, et cetera, right? So I think organizations that have already done their strategic planning and do it consistently, they've already been cutting those things. They've already been reanalyzing these things. So they're in a better position today when this all happens, right? Like when everything went down, they were in a better position to be like, okay, they're used to thinking out of the box they're used to analyzing they're used to you know going over these processes right. that you're talking about that are evergreen really you know these things Absolutely. should be done every year <laughs> like, you know so but i i love how you're breaking it down because this is a great time if you have that time especially to say okay let's go ahead and let's take this week and let's focus on our strategic planning or let's take this afternoon and let's look really look at one of these things that you had mentioned right within all of these little post-its i love that you had on the board you know what i mean to say like let's look at one of those things and let's just like brainstorm on that spaghetti on the wall kind of thoughts and then really start breaking it down and saying okay what could work what could actually work right so yeah yeah, yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. Go back to your core goals. And yeah. um, this stuff is always good for you to do. In fact, in the impact method, we have people are, are updating their strategies every 60 days. And they're also checking in on their operational structure every 60 days. So, um, and they also are used to dealing with the, the core issues that str they struggle with in their mm -hmm. nonprofits every two weeks. So those who are already using the impact method already had all the tools they need to pivot on a dime. Everything was prioritized. They have exactly the meeting structure in place to say, oh, huge new issue. We've got a pandemic. How do we adjust now? And all everything already written out in a simple way to say, okay, we're going to change our operating structure this way, move our team mm -hmm. around this way, update our strategy this way. And, you know, a couple hours later, they have pivoted. They yeah. are ready go and that is that is a much more sustainable model you know i right. think too often we equate stability with mm -hmm. sustainability yeah. and that is so far from the truth right mm -hmm. stability is stagnant it's dying it you know the world is going to change it doesn't always yeah. change as drastically as it just has mm -hmm. but it always changes and you have to be ready to adapt if you want to survive and yeah. even better right Right. You should be <laughs> yeah. more yeah. and survive. You're the yeah. best, kindest, most wonderful people in the whole world. Mm -hmm. You 
like your organizations and you personally should be thriving. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And there's still the need and the need it might have even grown in your, you know, different nonprofit at this point in time. So really important to be out there, really important to take the time to do this because ultimately it's going to save you so much time. It's going to reduce frustration. It's going to, you know, even maybe be the key between your, your nonprofit dissolving or it thriving. So it really is important. So yeah, Sarah, I just want to go ahead and then what types of products or services do you provide to help nonprofits do this? To I know you mentioned the impact method. Is that something people can get in on? Are you having anything specific right now available for people during this time of transition? Yeah. So the impact method is available for organizations small and large. Um, mm -hmm. We have a do-it-yourself online training program that is very affordable. I've also packaged the online training with a year of mentoring with me. And I'll tell you, those people who are enrolling now are getting a lot of extra mentoring because oh, yeah. I really yeah. don't believe in just kind of telling you what to do. I mm -hmm. like to really make sure you're getting it done. So I did have a kind of pay what you can um, mastermind group going. If there's, if you're interested in that, um, let me know. I can start it up again. I really want to help people who are stuck right now get unstuck. And if you're a larger organization, I can work with you one-on-one -on -one to help you implement the impact method. And you can have access to my ideas, but you know, as great as any one person's ideas are, ideas are, it's your, it's implementing your own ideas mm -hmm. that really makes the difference. And so much of the impact method is about giving you the focus so that you can make better decisions. And right now, so many people are looking for, you know, reestablishing a sense of, um, of stability and trust for themselves and for their teams and their donors and the people they're serving. And, you know, the impact method can give you focus and it can give you the tools that we've talked about to really help you, you know, make sure that all your ducks are in a row, whether it's your strategy or your operations or how you're meeting with your team. Um, but the amazing thing about focus is focus gives you clarity. Mm -hmm. And once you have clarity, you can gain perspective, a larger perspective. And once you have a perspective of what's going on in your position in it, you gain certainty. And once you have certainty, you get locked in to that two-way beneficial relationship of trust. You will have a network of people who trust you and are ready to engage with you, and you will be able to trust them. And if you can stand out in this time as an organization who has a, has a, a authentic um, stance of certainty, you will stand out and shine like no other organization around you. Oh, I love that. That's poetry. <laughs> From the focus to the perspective. Yeah, no, and it ultimately leads to certainty and trust. Like you're so right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I see even now the organizations that are really standing strong in that certainty and they're moving forward and they don't have all the answers, but they're reaching out to get them. And they're just asking the questions maybe. So don't feel like you need to know all the answers, right? Just if you're at least providing some value, maybe you're just highlighting, like you said, who your target demographic is, right? Like if there's homeless yeah. people that you serve and you're just highlighting the issues that they're facing right now, maybe doing some little videos or whatnot, like you're going to stand out in this and you're going to become more clear Absolutely. and your funders are of what you're actually, what you can do and who you serve. So it's really, yeah, yeah it's super important. 
Yeah. You don't need to know all the answers to no. be certain. And it all starts with focus and everybody has the ability to focus. Um, sometimes it takes a little support, but, but you can do it. It's a small step. So, um, Anybody who's interested, you can find me at pivotground.com. We can put it in the notes, mm -hmm. but it is not hard. It's not expensive. The biggest thing you need to implement the impact method is to be brave enough to try something new. Oh, I love that. So once again, yeah, that's pivotground, P-I-V-O-T-G-R-O-U-N-D.com. And Sarah also has a YouTube channel. So definitely check that out. Maybe um, we can put this mm -hmm. up there too. Um, and that is Absolutely. pivot ground. Yeah, that'll be fun. So yeah, so if you're listening to the podcast, we do have a YouTube video so we can put it on pivot ground and we can also put it on grant writing and funding. So you can also see the slideshow that uh, she shared, uh, Sarah shared, um, we're going over her notes. So that's really awesome. And just once again, yeah, if you guys have any questions, um, they can just find you at pivotground.com, right, Sarah? Is that good? Absolutely. And you can apply for a free consultation. Nice. It's actually a consultation, not a sales pitch. So if you just want a little help right now um, and you don't have another way to get it, you are welcome to apply. There's, there's no shame in it. <laughs> there's no bad questions. So oh, that's so good. Yeah, I know that's nice for people to know at this time. So yeah, so I would definitely take advantage of your, your resources um, that you can right now. So thank you for offering that as a resource, Sarah. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for coming back on the show. I just, I always love talking to you. I'm super excited. Like I follow what you do. I think you're amazing. And thank you for thank being you. a light in this time of need as well. Yeah. Thank you. You as well. I think you're doing such a great job getting the word out there and the nonprofit space needs all the lights it can yeah, get. It really does. All right, Sarah. So once again, please visit Sarah at pivotground.com. Thank you again, Sarah. Bye. Bye. Do you want to join the Changemaker Tribe and get courses, downloadable checklists, samples of awarded grants, behind-the-scenes live Q&A with myself and the Tribe, and discounts on grant services? Be sure to join the Changemaker membership at www.grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash membership. Thank you for listening to this grant writing and funding podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time. For more questions, email Holly at holly at grantwritingandfunding.com or visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com. 